0: You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me on today's program is returning special guest, Mr. Harry Dent. Harry is an economist. He is a best-selling author many times over. Uh, Harry was on the program about four months ago and predicted that we would be seeing a decline in stocks. That is happening I'm going to get his updated forecast for stocks in the second and third segment of today's program. You'll want to stay tuned for that. Also, if you have not yet requested the May special report, I would encourage you to do so. The May special report is titled How Evolving Money Affects Investing Markets. Uh, The report examines the relationship between evolving money, changing money, if you will, and investing markets. And this topic doesn't really get discussed all that often, but in my view, it really should because understanding how money evolves is really vital to grasp where markets probably go from here. And uh, the report just digs into that. It talks about where are stocks going to go, where are bonds going to go, how are traditional uh, investments that you might hold in your IRA and 401k going to perform, in my view, moving ahead. If you'd like to get a copy of that report, How Evolving Money Affects Investing Markets, all you need to do is visit the website, requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. When you go to that website and let us know where to mail the report, we'll not only mail you the report, we'll also mail you some bonus information that I think you'll find to be especially timely. So again, the website, requestyourreport.com. So when you take a look at what's going on in the investing markets. If you've got money in a 401k, if you've got money in an IRA, it's been a bit of a nail-biting experience here the first several months of the year. Now, if you've been a long-time listener to the program, you know that back in January, I suggested that I thought tops, the top was in in the market back in December. It now appears that, at least at this point, that that is the case And I think we're going to see more downside here. I'm going to talk more about that in this segment. But when you look at the economy, it seems that we are now headed, in my view, for a stagflationary outcome. Well, what does that mean? Well, stagflation is inflation combined with economic contraction. It's the absolute worst of both worlds. Now, the official inflation rate is running at 8.5%, but if you're a longtime listener to the program here, you know that we have discussed many times in the past how this official of inflation number, the officially reported inflation rate known as the Consumer Price Index, uh, you know that that is highly manipulated. Uh, there are adjustments like hedonic adjustments and uh, weightings and, and other types of, of subjective adjustments that are made Uh, to make that reported number look more favorable. Now, the actual inflation rate, without these subjective adjustments, are likely probably mid-teens, in my view. Now, no matter where you think the actual inflation rate is, you can't argue that it is here. And the Fed now, the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of the United States is now ever so incrementally increasing interest rates to fight inflation. Now, as I've talked about here in the past, it's going to be very difficult for the Fed to effectively fight inflation and get it under control until we have real positive interest rates. So if you take a look at the official rate of 8.5%, unless the interest rate credited on a Treasury is higher than the actual inflation rate, we likely don't get inflation under control. So I expect that what we're seeing now from the Fed is more form over substance. Now at this point as it relates to economic growth the economy is still growing officially. However, I believe that Once we see revisions ultimately made, I think there's a high probability that we may be in recession presently. Now, every Monday, I do uh, an alternative newscast on the economy and the financial markets and investing markets. It's called the Headline Roundup webinar. Uh, You're very welcome to participate in it live if you would like. All you need to do to do that is give the office a call at 866-921-3613. 866-921-3613. We'd be glad to get you an invite. Or you can go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. And every Monday night at 5, the Headline Roundup webinar is posted there. Well, on this webinar last week, Monday, I discussed the opinion of Mr. Peter Grandich. Now, Mr. Grandich is the founder of Peter Grandich & Company, and he is a frequent commentator on economic things. And Mr. Grandage said that he believes the Fed is well behind the curve when addressing the inflation problem. Now, if you're a longtime listener here, you know that I agree completely. And Grandage, I thought, made an interesting point. He said that inflation today is a completely different animal than it was in the 1970s. Now, there may be a few listeners out there that are old enough to remember the 70's, but that was the last stagflationary environment experienced by the country. That's the last time we had high inflation and we had economic contraction. But Grandage makes another interesting point. Grandage says this, quote: "...social and political disharmony is at the highest level since the onset of the Civil War in the United States." And with the world suffering economic challenges, it does not paint a good picture for the future, end quote. Grandich added he is investing only in the gold market presently. Now, there are some of the big banks that are also forecasting a recession. Now, when big banks are actually making forecasts, I don't put a lot of stock in that because the big banks... Uh, don't have a terrific record when it comes to accurately forecasting recessions. Big banks typically recognize recessions once we're there, but forecasting them is something that they're hesitant to do, that they're reluctant to do, that they don't often do. Well, CNN Business ran an article talking about Deutsche Bank's uh, recent forecast, and I'm going to give you a bit from the article. Deutsche Bank raised eyebrows earlier this month by becoming the first major bank to forecast a U.S. recession. Originally, Deutsche Bank said the recession will be a mild one. Now, it's warning of a deeper downturn caused by the Federal Reserve's quest to knock down stubbornly high inflation. Deutsche Bank economists wrote in a report to clients last week that we will be getting a major recession. The bank said that while inflation may be peaking, it will take a long time before it gets back down to the Fed's goal of 2%. That suggests the central bank will raise interest rates so aggressively that it hurts the economy. Well, I certainly believe Deutsche Bank is right. I've stated for a long time here on this program that the Fed is between the proverbial rock and a hard place. And, of course, it's all of their own making. If the Fed increases interest rates in a meaningful manner... Recession will have to be the ultimate outcome, and I'll talk about this in the next segment with my guest today, Mr. Harry Dent. On the other hand, if the economy officially enters a recession, which, again, I believe we could be there now, uh, and I believe that that may become evident as these revisions are made in the future, if the Fed reacts to this recession by easing once again, then they risk further fueling the inflation that we're now seeing. Now, we're already seeing signs that the economy is contracting. The economy, frankly, has been addicted to the artificial stimulus of the Fed. And as the Fed has now just started to very modestly tighten, we know that stocks are declining. Now, in my newsletter of last week, Portfolio Watch, which you can subscribe to at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com, and you can go view online at that same website, I posted a stock chart really running from late 2019 through the present time. The chart was of the S&P 500. And I ran a trend line from the market low in April of 2020 all the way through the end of 2021. And there was a very... Precise, very defined uptrend. However, once 2022 hit, we have seen stocks now begin to decline. And I believe we're now going to see the stock market stair-step lower with a series of lower highs and lower lows as time goes on. It looks kind of like a stairway. Markets rarely go straight up or straight down, but I believe we'll see a down followed by maybe a little bit of an up and another down and a little bit of up. And we will see lower highs and lower lows as um, time passes. So if you're not yet in possession of my May special report, I would encourage you to order it by going to requestyourreport.com. The report, as I stated at the outset of this segment, is titled How Evolving Money Affects Investing Markets. You can get a copy of it mailed to you, as I said, by going to requestyourreport.com requestyourreport.com and when you request the report i'll be very happy to send you some bonus information as well that i know you'll find to be timely i'll be back after these words with my special guest mr harry dent
1: welcome back to rla radio i'm your host dennis Tubergen. joining me once again on today's program is a prolific best-selling author and economist mr harry dent um if you're not familiar with harry's work uh you should uh, certainly get familiar with it. He's offering our listeners a free newsletter. Uh, you can go to harrydent.com to claim it. The website, again, is harrydent.com. And, Harry, welcome back to the program.
2: Yeah, nice to be back, Tanner.
1: So, Harry, you were on last, and you said a crash is imminent. Seems like uh, the highs in stocks probably were in uh, at the end of last year. Uh, what's your assessment of stocks at this point?
2: Well, you know, it, it is going as forecast here. They have been fighting this, fighting this, keep pumping the market up one more time, and and what I've been saying, we will we will know we have a top. It it is imminent. It is got to come, but we will know it's a top when, when we're down, you know, thirty to forty percent in, in, in the first several months, and 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 now at first we didn't quite get there in the first whack in March, uh, but but that was. Uh, you know more than your normal ten to twenty percent correction, and now the markets are weakening again. And and yes, this this definitely looks like a top to me. Uh, the treasury bonds look like they just hit their peak yields. At the ten year treasury bond at three point two percent, I was looking for that to happen. You usually, get the treasury bonds rising into a stock peak. They help puncture the bubble, and then though just the downturn of the stock market alone and everything else keeps us heading down and consumers lose confidence. Next thing you know, we're in a recession. So and, and I've had a lot of indicators, uh, leading indicators recently saying everybody saying, oh, we might be in a recession at six to 12 months. These leading indicators are saying we're right at the edge of the recession now, not at six to 12 months. So I think we're going to be in a recession clearly uh, in the second half of this year increasingly and stocks are going to keep going down. Now, here's the thing it the first target I look for, I'm I have a low kind of cycle low around mid July, where I'd expect this first crash to end, and and I'm expecting mm-hmm. we'll see that the Nasdaq will be down something like forty percent by then. So that's a little under ten thousand on the Nasdaq, and that will really confirm a top and really confirm that there's more to follow. So so this is. Dennis, here's the key thing. But I hear all these commentators say, you know, market's done well. That's a little more than we expected. But hey, hey, this is we're definitely getting ready to a to a low here and, and, and a rebound. No, we have gone past the point that it's a normal correction, and 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 we're getting very the the farther it goes down, the farther it's going to go down. And and my target, and I know this sounds crazy, but but it, but it's we've been saying this for a long time, and this has happened before. That we're going to see the Nasdaq down to 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 three thousand, seven thousand at best, and we're going to see the you know the S and P down to like six hundred seventy to a thousand. So this is going to be, you know, like an eighty six percent crash at worst for the S and P, and up to ninety three percent for the Nasdaq. This is not something to sit. This is not something to listen to your stockbroker to and say, oh, just sit through this and we'll be at new highs. We will not see new highs. For many many years, and we may only retest these highs uh, at the top of the next boom, the millennial boom in 2037. You know, many years from now. So this is definitely time to get out. Be patient. By the end of next year, should be the ideal time to get back in, unless I see signs uh, sooner. But but a, a crash down 40 percent by July or somewhere in that thing will will fully confirm that this is the big crash happening.
1: So Harry, there was a, there was a lot there. So let, let me let me go back to to your forecast for the S and P five hundred uh, at the prior bottom at the time of the financial crisis. We had the S and P around that six seventy mark. So are you forecasting we could go as low as we did at the time of the financial crisis from these levels?
2: Yeah, exactly. If you just landed from Mars, but you understood chart patterns and you were just looking at a chart and you didn't know it was the S and P five hundred, that's exactly that was the we had a big three wave rise, you know, in a two thousand big crash, I mean and two thousand seven and then big crash into into early two thousand nine, and now a fifth wave, a final wave up, very steep, classic fifth wave bubble. And, and the chart would tell you expect to go retest that March two thousand nine low. And yes, that's exactly why six hundred and seventy my target. Hey, it might be a little higher than that might be lower but that is the best target to have uh, from a technical basis if this is uh, and 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 when you look at this pop you know I, the other thing that it just kills me i do all these interviews or get on these panels and i'm getting ready to go to a conference in vancouver and be on a big panel and stuff the same thing you know oh this is not a bubble because what you i throw this chart the rally from from um you know, the the COVID crash in late March of 2020, up until recently, is there's no, I can't even find a bubble that big anywhere. You didn't see a run like that, even in the roaring 20s bubble, anything. That was a bubble. And that was the final bubble counts fifth waves every way you want to count it. If you don't take this seriously, you're blind. Now, there can always be something, okay, you know, first time ever, but I'm telling you, there's been no clearer bubble in history, and most experts are still thinking we're just in for a correction. Bubbles only do one thing. They burst and they go back to where they started, which is March of 2009. And and, and you can look at your real estate the same. The real estate crash didn't bottom until 2010 to 12, depending on where you are. You need to look at that bottom in your area, because I think real estate's going to go down. 40%, maybe 50%, but it's very different. So the bigger the bubble, the bigger the burst there. So look at your real estate. What was it worth at the last bottom by 2012? And, and that is your downside. And a lot of people are going to be very uncomfortable when they look at that, because we had a second real estate bubble, just as big, slightly bigger than the first one. And everybody's saying. Even though it looks exactly like that first real estate bubble 20 years later, it's not a bubble either. I'm, I'm telling you, experts are just blind on this stuff. Nobody likes to see a bubble. Everybody's getting rich on it, something for nothing, and nobody wants to see it in. So everybody believes the experts when they say, well, this is not a bubble. This is the only the second great real estate, the only great real estate bubble in modern history, because we never had the financing, easy financing back in the roaring 20s and other periods to let a bubble like that happen. But it is one of many bubbles in stocks, and it is it is the greatest bubble in history.
1: Well, if you're just joining us, my guest today is Mr. Harry Dent. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to Harry's free daily newsletter, you can sign up at harrydent.com. And Harry, you had mentioned uh, that it's your view that we're on the verge of a recession. And uh, certainly, uh, from, from my perspective, I, I believe that we could be there already. Uh, how, yeah. deep do you, how deep do you think this recession actually goes? Just, just comparing it with maybe past recessions.
2: Yeah, yeah. I th- okay, this, this should go in between 2008-9 and 1930-32. 2008-9 was and should have been the beginning of a 1930s-like decade period of slow spending after the baby boom peaked until the millennials come along. And and the millennials still don't start to drive our economy back up in a healthy, normal way until 2024. So we're still in that down period. So We had our first crash in 2008-9. It was cut short. That should have gone deeper. But, But with all the government support, I don't expect a crash quite as big It's 1930 to 32. I think again that the S and P is going to end up down 70 percent at least, and more like 86 percent. I favor the down, the lower level, and the Nasdaq down 93 percent. You know, and maybe you know at least 85. This this is this is mad. This is once in a lifetime. We'll never see a crash like this again. Our kids may not even. And we have not seen a crash like this except for briefly. uh, The tech tech stocks went down 78 percent. In 2000, 2002, and that was during a boom with only a very minor recession. But, but for the economy, if we saw 11 percent unemployment in, in, in 2009, we're going to see at least 15, somewhere between 15 and 20. This will, see the, this will be the highest unemployment we see uh, since the Great Depression, not quite as bad, and, and that we'll probably see for decades ahead. So, so this is, again, the crash. And it's not a recession at this level. It's a depression. Difference is this depression is not going to last off and on 12 years. We've already been through the worst of the demographics. But it's probably going to last two years plus, And it will be a, a depression. You know, so much higher unemployment and, and devastating losses in financial assets that don't, and here's the key thing, that don't go back to their highs for decades in some cases. Real estate, I don't think we'll ever see this level, especially adjusted for inflation. Because real estate, um, the millennials only take us back to the same level of demand we had at the peak of the baby boom. Except next, when they're doing having their real estate boom, we will not be in a bubble. Once a bubble like this bursts, people get it. They feel ashamed, stupid. (laughs) You know, how could we've been so crazy? And, and they don't go to those levels again. So I don't. I think real estate's the highest we'll ever see it, and, and by a good bit. And stocks may at best get back to these levels in 2037. I don't think stocks will make a new high adjusted for inflation. And I don't even think they'll get to them uh, in nominal terms. Because again, we won't be in a bubble mania in the next boom after this thing wipes out <laughs> any vestige of bubbleism.
1: So, Harry, we've got just a couple minutes left in this segment, and you've mentioned uh, several times in this segment the millennial boom, the millennials will drive the economy up. For our listeners maybe that aren't familiar with your demographic research, could you enlighten them?
2: Yeah. I mean, the most important number in our economy, and economists miss it just like a strikeout of all time, age 46, predictable average peak in spending of the average person in this country. And you take a 46-year lag on the baby boom birth index, and you get a boom from 1983 to 2007 and the greatest boom in history because of the size of that generation. Why have we been required nonstop money printing since the 2008 recession? We went in that recession because the baby boomers peaked, economy slowed down with bubbling markets, and they've had to print money ever since just to keep us barely growing. Okay. So the millennials, their spending wave is shorter. Not as dramatic, but it starts from like, like late 2023, early 2024 into about 2037. So that'll be the next boom. Um, but again, compared to 83 to 2007, it was, you know, it was, was much longer, 24 years, you know, and, and, and compared to the magnitude of the baby boom, we will not see a stock boom like we saw in our recent past uh, for a long, long time if ever.
1: Well, my guest today is Mr. Harry Dent. You can sign up for his free newsletter at harrydent.com. I'd encourage you to do that. I will continue my conversation with Harry when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. You are listening to RLA Radio. I'm your host Dennis Tubergen. I have the pleasure of chatting today with Mr. Harry Dent. Uh, Harry is a uh, prolific best-selling author. He's an economist. Um, and his uh, demographic research uh, relating to uh, economic expansion and contraction is just unparalleled. We talked about that a, li- a bit in the last segment. So, Harry, uh, I just want to jump in where we left off. Uh, you had mentioned in the last segment that you expect uh, real estate to decline forty to fifty percent. So, w- when you take a look at a stock decline of up to you know mid eighty percent, a real estate decline of forty to fifty percent. Um, this is like just a complete repeat of of what we saw 15 years ago or so, isn't it?
2: It is only more. We didn't finish that. You know, the 2008 downturn was the first serious one with 11% unemployment. That was the worst since 1982, which was the end of the long downturn, um, you know, from the 70s and inflation and, and the downturn of, baby boom, spinning and stuff. So it was the low point. So so that just economists like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is starting and it's starting to look like the Great Depression in 1930. And it it was I was predicting 2008 would be like 1930 big stock crash, the beginning of a much deeper downturn that was no longer a recession, but a depression. So that's why they stepped in. Ben Bernanke was the Fed chairman. And his whole thesis PhD was the Great Depression, and he was not going to let that happen on his watch. So they put a trillion dollars out, stimulus more than any time in a short period of time in history. And that I would have approved of, frankly, Dennis, because you don't want to crash to get more than it needs to be. But you also don't want to stop the economy from routing out bad debts and, and bubbles because you can't really move forward without it. But what they did was they kept, they thought that would be enough. And since they didn't understand the demographics and how weak it was going to continue to be for over a decade, they've just been printing money ever since to fill in the gap from baby boom peak spending with the Generation X coming along in lower numbers. So so that's the dilemma. The problem to me is why don't these damn economists understand demographics? I've been talking about this for 34 years, sold millions of books. It's not like it's a hidden secret. They just stick to old you know old economic theories. They don't think the consumer matters that much. They think you lower interest rates and we spend, you raise them and we don't spend that We're just a bunch of dumb sheep. and And so the economy has required ever more stimulus and then COVID hits and they had to print five trillion dollars in addition to five trillion dollars in fiscal stimulus to get over COVID, And surprise, surprise, with $10 trillion of stimulus in a $20 trillion economy, so 50% of GDP in two years, oh, we got runaway inflation again. There is no fundamental inflation. I've been predicting inflation would fall forever with demographic indicators, slower labor force growth, and incorporating new people in at great expense. So we have now 8.5% inflation when it should be 1%. And now they're panicking, and they're going to have to raise rates to fight inflation. And and they think the economy is strong enough. It is weak. We're going to go into recession so fast if they keep raising rates that they're going to have to stop. I don't even think they're going to get to four half a percent rate hikes before the economy starts slowing down.
1: Well, and Harry, if you see real estate prices fall uh, per your forecast, stock prices fall per your forecast. We're seeing uh, used car prices now pull back pretty significantly. Um, aren't we seeing this, this, this debt bubble kind of st- – aren't we seeing the beginnings of this thing unwinding at this point?
2: Yeah, this is, this is, a, this is something going on that we don't understand because we haven't seen it since the 30s. Deflation. First of all, I mean, consumer people say, oh, the 30s, oh, consumer prices went down. When have you seen consumer prices go down in our lifetime? Never, except for very temporarily. That was one thing. That's not the real deflation. The big deflation is financial assets. And in, in my recent newsletters, I've been showing we have um, 550 trillion dollars. No, actually, up to 585 now. I'm sorry. In globally, in financial assets. That are 6.7 times GDP, global GDP. They're normally two times, three at most. So we they, these assets are more than double what they should be. These financial assets have to fall back down, even if the economy doesn't go into recession, just to normal price earnings ratios stuff. That, that would take 250 to 300 trillion dollars of wealth, real real stuff in people's bank accounts and brokerage accounts out of the economy. Everybody's going to feel poor. And everybody's going to also slow down in spending when they see their balance sheet go down that much. Because everybody feels rich now. People have been been made rich, something for nothing, for no reason, because of all this money printing. And when it finally goes back to normal, they're going to get poor very quickly. And people are not going to feel good about that. And they're going to say, oh, well, that was a bunch of baloney, all this printing money. Right now, nobody's complaining about it. but They will when their financial assets go down, and, and we're just seeing the beginning for stocks. But the first sign, stocks can make it to 40% down in the next few months, particularly the NASDAQ, the lead index. That's the sign that we are clearly in this, not a correction, but a, a deflation of financial assets, including home prices, commodity prices, gold prices. Gold, yes, gold. And all the gold bugs I debate say, oh, if Harry's right, I mean, they agree that a crash is coming, too much debt and stuff, unsustainable. They think gold's going to be the savior. 2008 already proved gold wasn't the savior. We, 2008 is a preview of 2022 uh, to 23 ahead. Uh, it just, it'll be a bigger downturn, more unemployment, and real deflation this time. So that's the that's, thing. Nobody's going to expect this because they haven't seen deflation. But it's your assets you need to worry about more than unemployment. Unemployment won't last long. Your assets will go down and will not come back for decades if they ever come back even to, to where we are today, which I don't think they will.
1: Well, my guest today is Mr. Harry Dent. If you'd like to get his newsletter, you can go to harrydent.com. Harry, let's talk about the labor market because uh, at this point, uh, there's lots of employers out there that would love to hire people but can't fill the positions they have open. To what do you attribute that particular condition in the labor market, and how do you see it transitioning to high unemployment?
2: Okay. First of all, labor force growth is my primary indicator for inflation and why it's falling. The baby boomers are entering the labor force, but baby boomers are exiting a little faster because there's more of them, okay? And add to this, what did they do with COVID? They stimulated so hard. Um, But at the same time, they made it so easy that a lot of people just never came back. A lot of baby boomers that were about to retire in the next few years left the workforce because of the unemployment and the recession, all that stuff. And they just didn't come back because the government gave them so much stimulus and so much benefits. We don't need to come back. And so now employers, even in this limited boom, which is not going to last long, by my foot, employers can't find enough workers coming out of recession. The government should quit monkeying with the damn economy like they're God. They don't understand it. They don't even understand the demographics behind it in the productivity behind it and what causes it to go up and down, they, they just think interest rates are the biggest driver, which shows how clueless they are. So they're not going to have the right solution for this. So the solution is the economy takes over, routes everything out, and the people that get out of the way of this will not lose all their financial assets and will be in a really good position to benefit when it turns around. And if you're really smart, you do you fight to keep your job right now if you're still in the workforce. Don't be one of the people laid off, because because <laughs> you'll keep your income and your assets.
1: So, Harry, when when you take a look at um, you know the the, the uh... The, the idea that people are going to be losing assets uh, and, and somebody's like in a 401k, it seems to me that you're going to have two groups of people. You're going to have a group of people that, uh, you know, really get hurt, maybe have to delay their retirement thoughts or, or, or aspirations for a long time. You're going to have other people that are going to be really able to take advantage of an opportunity to buy real estate and stocks at low prices. So what kind of advice are you giving your subscribers at this point?
2: Yeah, yeah. Again, it's real simple. It's you keep. This is not the time to say, well, they're offering layoffs and stuff. I'll, I'll just take that. No, if you're about to retire, fine. But, it, but if you're not that close, I would keep that job, and I would listen to people like me and cash out. I mean, this is. You you can only get into the highest quality, like the 10- and 30-year treasury bonds and, and ETFs like TLT and ZROZ that are only in treasury bonds. Corporate bonds, even the better ones, will still be deflated by a recession, which means more default. The only bonds that won't default for sure are the treasury bonds, and they become the safe haven. Um, and if you're in some sort of fund in your company or something, the only, if they don't have treasury bonds, you pick the AAA, the highest-rated corporate bond. But those are the only things that hold up or appreciate. got to remember, what is different about this downturn, it is a deflation of the great financial asset bubble and all financial assets. There's not a financial asset on earth, Harley, that has not been inflated beyond its, its normal value. Everything, commodities, gold, stocks, bonds, everything comes down to reality. So people are going to lose that bonus and wealth they got. Now, the first thing, you didn't deserve it. But if you got it and you're smart, you can keep it by cashing out. But you cannot keep it by saying, well, I'll just ride out this downturn and wait for it to go back up again like it's done for decades. Will not happen. That's my message. It will come back slowly. And most financial assets will not these levels again and if they do you'll be dead by the time it happens
1: so harry last question uh assuming uh you know this downtrend in in stocks continues which uh you know we believe it will uh the fed will likely try to reverse course maybe and and add more support to the economy continue you know currency creation of some type do you think they have any more bullets left in the gun i mean do you think it can work
2: it, get, it gets hard after you put out $10 trillion in stimulus, I mean, way many more times than any part time in history, and you still go into recession, literally just a year or so later. So their credibility will be way lower. The economy will already be weakened. People have already lost a, a lot of money in financial assets. So that's precisely why I, I am projecting that this first crash will probably continue into mid-July, and then we'll get a bounce in the summer, okay? will get a bounce. Of course, they're going to come up with some counter plan, some stimulus plan. It's not going to have the same force. Um, people have already been stimulated. People have refinanced their houses so many times and spent and bought a new car and everything else. They, they, they're overstimulated. And now they say, oh, gosh, but but the last one didn't work. Oh, so I think it's going to I don't think they can pull us out of this one. They can give us a bounce for a few months. And then, you know, the stocks bounce. You just. You short them again, or or if you're in them, you get out of them again. Because I I don't I think if this first crash goes down about forty percent into July, and that's my projection, so I see otherwise, I don't I don't see that they can pull us to a new high. I don't think they can put Humpty Dumpty back together again.
1: Well, my guest today has been Mr. Harry Dent. I would encourage you to go check out his free daily newsletter at harrydent.com. Harry, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, I know listeners appreciate your forecast and your perspective and love to have you back down the road. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Uh, Thanks, Dennis.
1: We will return after these words.
0: I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. Thanks again to my special guest, Mr. Harry Dent, for joining me on today's program. If you're just tuning in, my special report for the month of May is titled How Evolving Money Affects Investing Markets. Be glad to send you a complimentary copy of the report. All you need to do is visit requestyourreport.com and I'll mail you the report as well as some bonus information. Again, that is requestyourreport.com. In the first segment of today's program, I talked about the fact that I believe stagflation at this point will be the most likely economic outcome. If you've got money in a 401k or IRA, as I also stated in the first segment, uh, it's without a doubt, this first four months of the year has been a bit of a nail-biting experience if you're invested traditionally. And incidentally, the May special report will tell you that investing traditionally may not lead to the outcome that you would like to have. So let's talk about what the Fed is presently doing. The Fed is continuing with their, I would say, modest program of tightening. They're raising interest rates. They're doing something that they say will maybe get inflation under control. But the question will be this. Here's the big question in my view. What is the Fed going to do if stocks fall harder and they go a lot lower? will they go back and try to add more stimulus to the economy? Well, Harry Dent pointed out that we've had $10 trillion in stimulus in a $20 trillion economy. If you think about that fact alone, if you think about that statistic alone, that is staggering when you think about it. But if you look at where we are now and apply a little bit of critical thinking to what the Fed might do and what the outcome might be. I think there are only three outcomes here and I want to talk about you to you about these three potential outcomes in this segment. So outcome number one, potential outcome number one, let's say the Fed stays the course. They continue to raise interest rates modestly and intermittently. This course of action means that inflation might accelerate more slowly, but it still accelerates. But it also means we have a recession. That is the stagflation outcome that I talked about in the first segment. Stagflation is defined as inflation and a contracting economy. It's the worst of both worlds. I believe that if the Fed continues on this course of action, we will continue to see inflation, but we'll also see economic contraction. That will be stagflation. The second possible economic outcome, the Fed, fearing recession, decides to reverse course and they engage now in more quantitative easing. They add more stimulus to the economy and they further reduce interest rates. That outcome could lead to a lot more inflation, maybe even hyperinflation to use that word. Ultimately, though, history teaches us that high inflation environments or hyperinflationary environments ultimately transition to a severely deflationary environment, perhaps after a currency event of some type. The third possible economic outcome here is that the Fed, in order to get inflation in hand, the Fed will have to increase interest rates so we have net positive interest rates after factoring in inflation. So if we take the official inflation rate of 8.5%, which we all know is lower than the actual inflation rate, we need to have interest rates higher than that to get real net positive yields in order to get inflation under control. Now, the reality is we probably need to go back to a, an interest rate similar to what the Fed did in 1980 to get inflation under control At that time, the then Federal Reserve Chair, Paul Volcker, raised interest rates to nearly 20%. That's probably where we need to go to get inflation under control. Now, should the Fed do that, whatever the number is, whatever that ultimate interest rate needs to be to get inflation under control, this course of action, should the Fed pursue it, likely almost immediately leads to the deflationary outcome. And... Another fact that often goes unnoticed is that in order to pursue this option, the federal budget would also have to be balanced or be a lot more close to balanced. I don't see that happening, so near term, I expect that stagflation is the most likely outcome. However, I would not be surprised to see the Fed revert to more easing, although the question is, will it work? Um, I am skeptical. And in what is a really remarkable number, uh, and I want to close with this this week, credit card debt that Americans are carrying increased almost unbelievably last month. Now, if you're wondering how many Americans are dealing with rising inflation, that really is the answer. Credit card debt has increased very, very significantly. There was an article on Zero Hedge, and I want to give you a bit from that article here briefly. Quote, and while non-revolving credit, which would be student loans and car loans, rose by a relatively pedestrian $21 billion, the real stunner was revolving or credit card debt, which more than doubled from the already elevated February print of $14.2 billion to a stunning $31.4 billion, the highest on record. So credit card debt in one month doubled. And this happened just in time for the interest rates charged on credit cards to be increasing. So in case you're wondering, yes, you did hear that correctly. Credit card debt doubled and then some from February to March. So we believe that consumers now are being forced to go out and borrow money or use credit to meet their household living expenses. Well, I'm about out of time this week. Again, quick reminder, my May special report, How Evolving Money Affects Investing Markets. You can get a copy by visiting requestyourreport.com. That's all the time I have for this week. I'll be back again next week. Hope you got something you can use. Have a great week.